0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The, the key for us is, you know, we're playing another good team. Uh, they got their first win just like we did. Guys in this building can't win one and relax. They have to have to let that elevate them, go back out on the field and and work that much harder to get even better and keep moving this ball down the field. And I, I think the team's mentality is in a good place.
1: A Monday after a win's way different than a Monday after a loss. You know, you got guys coming in just Smiles on their faces, not hanging their heads and thinking about the game that was on Saturday. But yeah, I definitely think this win on Saturday, last Saturday, was a huge one. I think, like I said before, this is going to get the ball rolling. It's going to show guys, you know, what it feels like to win. You know, I think um, that's what the younger guys needed to feel. I think that's what a lot of guys need to feel is winning feels great. You need more of them. You need to find ways to get more of them. I think this is going to get the ball rolling. I think this is going to help get that little extra push that everyone needs to find a way to finish. There's no better feeling than that locker room after a win, so we need more of them. Learning how to win as Nebraska figured out on Saturday. They didn't play necessarily their best four-quarter game, but they figured out a way to beat a team that arguably had a lot more talent in in some key positions on Saturday as they jumped out to a 27-6 lead over Penn State, and that was enough to win 30-23. Now on to Illinois, who's fresh off their first win last week against rutgers welcome to this edition of the Husker line show sean callahan robin washett will be joined later to talk recruiting with nate klaus uh, but we will get you ready now for saturday's 11 a.m game against illinois it got moved up to fs1 it was a btn game um, btn won't even have an 11 a.m game now robin as michigan state and maryland got canceled so um, we've had another covid cancellation but knock on wood Um, everything else in the league looks to be in good shape Uh, there are six scheduled games that will take place and this is a big one for nebraska not not necessarily the opponent but just getting that habit robin of winning back-to-back big 10 games in a row
2: well yeah i mean they finally get their first win in almost a full calendar year and uh now are they able to continue that momentum? Uh, the last time they won two games in a row, it's been 14 months going back. Well, to and the seven, last time they
1: won two conference yeah. games, it was 2018.
2: Yeah, 2018. I'm just two games in a row. Generally, I mean, going back to Northern Illinois, Illinois last September, uh, that was the last time they won back-to-back games. So it's been a long time since this program, for one, has been on the right side of the scoreboard, but two, has been able to have sustained success, and that is the next baby step this program has to take uh, to if they want to get to where they want to go anywhere, you have to win this game. I mean, this is a, a game where you are two touchdown favorite at home. I know there's no fans, but whatever. You're, you're in your own stadium, and you are supposed to win this game. You have momentum on your side. You just played uh, probably your best all-around game, four-quarter game uh, of the year against Penn State, and now it's time to keep it going. And if you can get to two straight weeks of that winning feeling in your locker room that does wonders for just the morale of your team, the confidence, and even the swagger to where suddenly that Iowa matchup looks a little different, you know, you feel a little bit different about it and the rest of the games on the schedule. And so this is a in my opinion a crucial game that Nebraska they're supposed to win and they need to win it. Yeah,
1: for this program to take that year 3 step forward, a win on Saturday has to happen. If they lose to arguably the worst team in the Big 10, um, that's detrimental, and I, I think you could argue right now that Illinois might be the worst team. A uh, Rutgers, I mean, there's there's about three or four that are kind of in that area together. And you know, I, I would say Penn State's not one of them. I, mean, I think Penn State, Robin, that was a good win for Nebraska. That is not an 0-4 team. Nebraska beat on Saturday. I think Penn State's had its own internal issues. They had to go through a lot of things, but you could sense in that game last week when it was 27-6, the temperament changed of Nebraska. They knew. They probably shouldn't be up 27-6. to six. They knew that there were some key position areas where Penn State had decisive advantages in terms of one-on-one um, O-line versus D-line type deals. And they got awfully conservative. I, I felt like Nebraska was just trying to get out of there. Um, and they did, barely. And there were some moments in that game, that fourth quarter particularly, where you really held your breath. But I think Scott Frost knew without Dedrick Mills running the ball, um, there were a lot of things last week where they were like, we, we have to be very careful Because Ben Hart's getting beat by his guy up front. Hymas is having a hard time up front. Our guards are getting beat. We can't put Luke McCaffrey in a situation where he's going to fumble and turn this game around the way Penn State turned it around at the turnover.
2: To me, though, that is playing with a fear of failure. When you have a lead and all of a sudden you go into a shell and become this overly predictable offense that generates no flow, no rhythm, puts all of the pressure on your defense to try and go win you a football game. That is not what Scott Frost football is supposed to be. They are supposed to be attacking until the final whistle blows and they stopped. They put their foot off the gas and they toned things back and they basically said, we're just going to give the ball to Wandale and punt. I mean, that's essentially what the offense is. We're trying to get into. to third
1: and two. Mm-hmm. and hopefully Wandell or Luke will get those two yards. And they were able to get the one drive they needed in the second half. Yeah, they, they really they – I mean, when you're up 27-6, to six, and I don't have the numbers, but the football books basically say you're like 90-some percent chance to win at halftime, mm-hmm. right? And all Nebraska had to do was not screw up and maybe get one drive. And they got the one drive. They did screw up once. But, like, Robin, I, I just think this staff, they were seeing how bad the line was getting beat in those matchups. Yeah.
2: I mean – well, especially just trying to run the ball between the tackles, like it just wasn't happening. And if it wasn't Luke McCaffrey scrambling for yards, then uh, there was no consistency in the running game. And uh, once again, the the passing game is just stuck in neutral right now, to where there is no explosive element to it whatsoever. And so. You know, I guess I don't know what they could have called. I mean, their starting running back was hurt. You're playing Wandale, who had hardly practiced at running back. He's now your primary uh, guy in the backfield, and you have a redshirt freshman making his first career start against a defense that is significantly better than an 0 4 defense.
1: Yeah, they had really all four and five star guys on their front seven, and a lot of veterans, even without Micah Parsons and, you know, guys like Shakatone. I mean, those are some NFL level defensive ends. Uh, HBO last year did a special on that show where they went all access on Penn State and they featured that D line. Their nickname is the Wild Dogs, and I mean, and they I mean, they get after it. I mean, that was a. I'll be curious. I'm the real litmus test is going to be what will Penn State look like against Iowa. They host Iowa this week, and I think they'll beat Iowa. If I had a hunch, I, I think they'll figure it out. I think Will Levis will probably start for my quarterback this week. And you know, they lost that
2: game because of Sean Clifford. Yeah, I mean, he spotted Nebraska 10. a touchdown with maybe the, one of the worst fumbles and I'd a say. field goal. <laughs> yeah, and a field goal. Yeah, with that terrible pick. So uh, you got to wonder. I mean, what happens if Levis plays that whole game? Because when he came in, uh, suddenly the 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 tone shifted a little bit where Penn State they weren't doing anything special but you know they were they were bringing the punch to Nebraska and that defense to their credit they held up uh, when they needed to but they were really starting to wear down and 91 plays will do that against anybody
1: and neither one of those teams could run the ball Saturday with the tailback so what do you do? You kind of start running the quarterback, and mm-hmm. you play the numbers advantage there uh, because when you run the quarterback, you typically have a one-man advantage um, where it's like six on five. And Penn State started doing that to Nebraska, and we know Nebraska's had to do that almost all season. So the Dedrick Mills thing, and we'll talk more about offensive storylines, but that, that to me, going into this Illinois game, is he available, A, and if
2: he's not, what's the plan? Well, they featured him in a social media video where after practice he's in uniform. So, well, hopefully that's a good indication of his status. But, you know, if if it is, you know, a head injury or whatever it may be, then. Might be a knee injury. Or a knee. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll take that for what it is. But regardless, I mean, they they have to find a way to produce something offensively that's not just a quarterback run. Uh, I mean, it, it has to be running the ball with your running backs or Wandale, whoever it is. And then also, you have to stretch the field. If you look back at the last two times Nebraska's played Illinois, they have gotten chunk plays through the air. Now, granted, J.D. Spielman almost died on the field last year with those Illinois safeties trying to decapitate him on, on post routes, but... Uh, The plays are there and that Tampa two, Scott Frost knows how to attack down the field in that gap between the safeties and the linebackers to where there's going to be multiple opportunities to get 10, 15, 20 yard chunks through the air and they have to be able to capitalize on those.
1: The question is, will they come out in that? I mean, everybody that's played Nebraska has changed up their look and that was another problem. Um, Saturday I I think Penn State brought a different look that Nebraska wasn't as prepared for and it it gave them some problems but uh, we're going to talk more about the offense next here as we get you ready for Saturday's Illinois game you're listening here to the Husker Online Show
0: you're listening to the Husker Online Show your authority on Nebraska athletics you definitely don't change your standards because at the end of the day, we're going out there to win, we're going to play the best players, whether they're freshmen or whether they're seniors. And so they, they got to know what the standards are and we got to demand their best. But at
2: the same time, uh, we got to build their confidence. That's a big thing with freshmen is, is put them in situations where they can succeed. And I don't, I don't know if patience is the word, but I'd say more positivity,
0: uh, making them understand, hey, these are the things and, and you can do it and being positive about it. Uh, I think
2: you can still be demanding, but positive, And that's what we always try to do as coaches.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show as that was offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick, talking about getting some of these younger guys on the field. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill. They are open at 10 a.m. for Saturday's 11 a.m. game. So get on in early, get a spot. They practice social distancing, uh, plenty of space in there to enjoy, watch the game. Uh, get a burger, get some wings, a cold beer. It's Tanner's Sports Bar on 30th and Yankee Hill. And, Robin, you just heard Matt Lubick, and I'm sure these coaches are getting tired of everybody asking about how you get the young guys on the field, but it's becoming more and more obvious every week the talent at the receiver position the younger players have. I mean, Marcus Fleming, they just kind of lined him up at Northwestern, and he let him in receiving against a very good defense. The next week they drew up one play essentially to Xavier Betts and it was the most explosive offensive <laughs> play they got of the game. So that, that's the, the challenge right now. How do you keep getting Fleming and Betts and Alante Brown, which we really haven't gotten a good taste of, but how do you get those guys in the game more on the field where they, they know the no-huddle offense and the pace? Because I think that's part of the issue is when they want to go fast, do those young guys know it well enough to go fast?
2: Yeah, and you hope that naturally, just with experience, as with any freshman, that kind of starts to take care of itself, to where uh, that learning curve gets you know flatter and flatter, but. Uh, the other part of it is just, you know, more opportunities come with running more plays. This offense is running what, like 50-60 plays a game. You know, they They got to run 80 or 90 that's normally. That's what I'm saying. Like there's they're not having nearly the volume that they should be having and with more volume, obviously those types of guys get more opportunities, and especially with Nebraska's struggles, the majority of those limited 50, 60 some plays are going to on quarterback keepers, or trying to force the ball to Wandale Robinson, or, or whatever it may be, to where you know there's just not not as many chances as there should be to give those guys more reps, more looks in games, and so you know hopefully that again uh, as this offense starts to figure itself out with the change of quarterback, uh, those young receivers will have. Uh, more chances to show what they can do because clearly when they get the few chances they do uh, they have made the most of them and then some
1: well and robin something about that play count was a little skewed last week because of the fact nebraska got a defensive touchdown and then a short field mm-hmm. to kick a field goal i mean that probably shaved off 15 or 20 plays for nebraska maybe i mean in the grand scheme of the game flow when your defense scores you're just going to lose plays and you know the week before nebraska had a high play count at northwestern and more yards but in in the flip side, North Northwestern had short fields because of two returns, which that's how they won the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but I, I agree with you. They've got to get the play count up into a flow where eight to 12 play drives become the norm versus three or four play drives because you're just not going to get Xavier Betts and Elante Brown and guys like that going on four play drives that have very high pressure third and seven type plays in them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Especially in those situations, guys are going to go to you know who they trust and uh, right now, just f- for no fault of their own, those young guys haven't earned that trust. But again, I'm I'm excited like most everyone else about the potential of that group with the flashes they've shown. I mean that that run on that little uh, shovel pass to to Xavier Betts was as good of a play as we've seen this offense run all season. I mean he looked effortless gliding down the field. Uh, you know, Lante Brown had a big catch against Ohio State, albeit kind of late in garbage time but you know I mean he, he showed that he's capable of making that type of play and then obviously uh, Fleming he's had as much production as any wide receiver on the team so I think that core is showing a lot of promise and the more they get involved the better they're going to get and now you know like I said I think the more reps they get with Luke McCaffrey uh, he's shown a little bit more of a Propensity to get the wide receivers involved, and maybe Adrian had.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk offensive storylines for Nebraska going into this week. And you know, I thought the whole situation last week was handled really well, Robin, with Adrian in in the Luke deal. Um, That that was a pivotal moment in the tenure of Scott Frost. How he managed and handled that situation, and I think Adrian Martinez, at least publicly, it feels like he's kept a very good attitude. He's been very supportive of Luke. And I think in his mind he knows they're going to need him at some point this season still.
2: Oh yeah, I mean just the nature of this season being what it is, you I mean there's never been a year where you have to be ready to come in on a moment's notice than, than this year with um just playing 9 games in 9 weeks or however many and then with potential covid setbacks all that. I mean he's got to be ready. He's got to stay engaged and like I said like you said he has to be ready to step in uh, at any point. But for what he did last week You could not have asked more from a player in that situation to essentially have your job taken from you uh, to have that type of reaction to it. You know, not only was uh, you see him on the field or on the sideline, I should say cheering, you know, there's pictures and videos of him, uh, but there was a, a video they put out after the game where that week of practice, you know, he's still the guy in the huddle leading the team. He's still acting like a captain even though he's not out there playing like like maybe he thinks he should be so um that I think is a great example for uh the rest of this team about you know putting the team above yourself and you know some former Huskers I saw on social media like Brian Riley Luke Gifford they were commenting on that they were like you know I, I didn't get a chance to play with Adrian much or i never played with him but seeing that that is infectious for the rest of your team. And Adrian's teammates are going to notice that. And that respect that he already had is only going to increase with the way he's handling himself.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk offensive storylines here. And, you know, that offensive line started out the year really well for Nebraska, Robin, Uh, At Ohio State, they rushed for over 200 yards against a defense they couldn't even touch the year before. They ran it pretty well against Northwestern. Granted, it was a lot of quarterback runs that got them their yardage. I thought last week was the first time where, you know, there were a lot of questions with the line and how they blocked up front. And some of that's Penn State. Some of that's Dedrick Mills. But to me, Marvin Scott has to get going this week. I think you're playing on paper a lesser opponent. This is an opportunity where you can maybe live with a little mistake here and there to get a Marvin Scott going and I don't I don't know where Ramir Johnson's at in the mix it seems like he's kind of fallen out of it mm-hmm. and you know the other guy is Ronald Tompkins, Tompkins. is he is he available but I don't think today or Saturday you want to live on just quarterback runs. You need to establish a tailback presence outside of Dedrick Mills if Dedrick Mills is not available.
2: And as much as they like Wandale and want to get him the ball, he is not a feature running back in the Big Ten Conference. He's a guy that can be complimentary, and you know you can shift into the backfield for some different looks. But a Marvin Scott is someone that they can – they can hitch their wagon, to, and he can get you the tough yards. And uh, for being a true freshman, he's got nothing but praise from all of his coaches. Scott Frost thought that, the, you know, that first game against Northwestern, Marvin played exceptional and then you know Penn State he threw one of the key blocks if not the key block on that Xavier Betts touchdown and so for a freshman to do those types of things where it's not just getting the ball and running uh, but all those other elements of the game shows that he is uh, well ahead of maybe where a normal true freshman would be both physically and with his understanding of the offense.
1: I look at Wandel Robin he's kind of like that nice sports car and you don't want to take it out too much mm-hmm. you, you want to leave it in your garage and, and, and use it on the right occasions you don't want to be driving that nice sports car to pick up groceries every exactly. week i mean you need to have other guys doing that and you it, it's it's a really big risk to make Wandell robinson carry it 15 plus times
2: and i get the idea because you know before last week the whole criticism was that he's not getting the ball enough well <laughs> 20
1: so 23 of the 60 calls on offense went to Wandell robinson that's crazy and
2: he had what 21 touches for seventy 70- seven targets and 16 um carries so, yeah, and only like 70-some yards of production. So that's not a pretty good clip. And granted, he was really close to breaking a couple. Like that face mask, I mean, if that guy doesn't grab his face mask, he houses that, and that's a touchdown. So, you know, he was really close to being a more dynamic player. But he's, he's, a, he's a great piece, but he cannot be your only source of offense. I mean, you have all these players we talk about week in, week out, needing to get more involved give him a chance and let Wandale take some of that pressure off of his shoulders to have to do everything like he did last year.
1: All right. When we come back, we are going to talk defensive storylines next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. This is Husker Online,
0: your authority on Nebraska athletics. We did give out some black shirts this week. I thought the guys, you know, they, they finally practiced the way we wanted them to last week. And, and, you know, we had a, a pretty good performance in the black shirts need to, Set a new standard. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, if you want to, if you want to ask the guys about it, that's fine. I think that we we live in a in a world where uh, the black shirts mean more to me than than me- social media and Twitter doesn't have to know about everything and. You know, and I think it's a special thing right now, and I think, you know, if you want to ask those kids about who got them, that's great. Um, but right now, it's a, it's it's an, it's an in-house kind of situation where um, this tradition just means more to me than than having to put everything on social media right now.
1: And welcome back here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, that was defensive coordinator Eric Schnanner basically saying, when I have dinner, I don't need to take a picture of it and tell everyone what my dinner is on Facebook and in, in Twitter. Um, meaning, yeah, we gave out black shirts, but I don't need to, like, take a picture of it and let the whole world know who they are. But Scott Frost did let us know who they are, Robin, this week. 13 overall, or 12, 12. Excuse, 12 excuse me. Um, so the, there's, there was always the notion the get off my lawn, old school Husker fan that would be furious when there would be a several. And I, I think they did a they did the right number. Uh, three defensive linemen, Ben Stilley, Ty Robinson, uh, Damian Daniels. You had five linebackers, Jojo Doman, Caleb Tanner, Garrett Nelson, and then on the inside, Colin Miller and Will Honus. And the four starters in the secondary, Markel Desmuke, Deontay Williams, Cam Taylor Britt, and DiCaprio Boodle. By the way, no list in front of me. I just recited those, so I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself there for not having to look. But 13, 12, excuse me, black shirts. And I don't see, I mean, the only other guy you could argue, Robin, maybe Luke Reimer, but he really hasn't played a full body of work yet to
2: get it. Yeah, that's probably the only reason why he wasn't included in there. And then also, too, like, I honestly think they wanted to keep the number down because I'm sure Scott... they're
1: like eighty something in the country in total defense.
2: Yeah, and so like to sit there and give like sixteen guys black shirts like that—that'd be you know, it would rightfully get made fun of as you know. So uh, I think they really tried to narrow it down to their starting eleven, and the reality is they have. An outside linebacker spot that is fifty-fifty between Garrett Nelson and uh, Caleb Tanner. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those were the guys that you would expect to get them, and I think that's the way it should be. To because if you get any beyond that, it just becomes like it like a saturated tr- tradition to where like those. DeAndre yeah, Thomas gets one. Exactly. You know, Five like D linemen, and six linebackers. Uh, I mean. I think that's ridiculous. And so I think this at least gets back to the tradition. Yeah, at least some of the tradition where it's it's your, your top defense. And even if there's backups that play a lot, you know, you, you try to keep that black shirt number down.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online show as we talk defense. And, Robin, they held strong. I thought the key stat of the game was Penn State ran 25 plays inside the red zone. They only scored one touchdown on 25 plays in the red zone. So, yes, Penn State got down there. They kicked some field goals. But when it mattered – When it mattered, Robin, Nebraska's defense bowed up, and they prevented Penn State from scoring touchdowns, and that was really the difference in that game.
2: Well, they did all the things that uh, an Eric Shenander defense is supposed to do. They made game-changing plays with – Turnovers, touchdowns, sacks, tackles for loss. uh, And they really disrupted Penn State's offense to where uh, it could barely even function in the first half. And, you know, they put Nebraska in a chance to blow the the doors open uh, off a team that, you know, we both agree is much better than their record. But uh, really, though, I agree with you. It came down to them being able to hold their ground and bend but not break in the red zone uh, and come up with two huge stops at the end of the game where they played what 25 snaps over the final two drives and they were matched up in man coverage you had guys making one-on-one plays uh ben stilly getting a game-winning sack and so uh their players stepped up and won the game where the other side of the ball kind of went into a shell and wasn't doing anything the defense found a way to win and that's something that you know No element of Nebraska football has been able to do much of any over the last three years.
1: And Nebraska had been able to get a pretty good push with just their front four rush. That wasn't necessarily the case against Penn State. Penn State's five offensive linemen was winning. They were winning against Nebraska's front four push. So Shenander had to get a little bit creative. He had to bring safeties in. He had to bring corners in. He had to bring another linebacker in, a fifth, sixth type guy, to get pressure, and he picked the right moments Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, You know, One of them led to the Deontay Williams- uh, fumble strip touchdown. You saw another one at the end of the game, the, the final two plays. Luke Reimer got a sack and then
2: and JoJo made some plays. Did the they
1: credit team? Ben Stilley as a sack at the end of the game there or was that an incomplete pass? I think they gave Ben Stilley yeah, a sack. I think there. they gave him the sack. So Even was, though he
2: threw the ball, I think the ref had blown the whistle. And said, so that was
1: back to back sacks. And those were the only two sacks of the game for Nebraska, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean again, it's it's stepping up when the, the pressure was on and the game was on the line. And so that's I think is a really real uh, reason why the black shirts were handed out cuz the defense they earned every bit of those. And if they can get that type of production off that side of the ball and the offense can find a way to get somewhat on track, you know, this team could be pretty darn competitive through the rest of the schedule.
1: Now, Saturday they will see a very good running quarterback um, they'll see two quarterbacks. and they're both four star recruits. Um, Brandon Peters, who was a former Michigan quarterback who Mike Riley actually offered and he picked Michigan over Nebraska way back when, um, has been out with Covid. Now, Brandon Peters did his his three game sentence um, on the twenty one day rule uh, that, I, you know, it's interesting. He did three games, but Graham Mertz only had to do two games because they both were COVID positive. But the, the way the test fell, I think his test was a day later than Mertz's. So Mertz got to come back and play against Michigan. Peters did not, um, and he's back. But in the meantime, Isaiah Williams, who is also a four-star quarterback out of St. Louis, who was the number one player in that area, um, not a great thrower, but a dynamic athlete. He carried the ball 31 times, 28 of those Robin were designed quarterback run calls. He rushed for almost 200 rushing yards, set an Illinois quarterback rushing record. So they found something in the win last week with Isaiah Williams, and they get Brandon Peters back. So you have to think you're going to see a steady diet of both Williams and Peters in this game on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable to sit there and rush the ball 30 times a game with their quarterback, but that can certainly be an element that you sprinkle in quite a bit, especially if you can pair it with – maybe a more uh, traditional passer like Brandon Peters to give yourself kind of both of those elements on any given play. And so Nebraska, I think they should expect to see a lot what they saw last week uh, when Levis came in for Penn state, you know, that was essentially Penn state's offense. And so when Williams is in the game, chances are they're going to just try to play the numbers game, just like the Nittany lions did and run right at him and make Nebraska just have to beat him physically. So uh, it's going to be another physical test for this defense, but I, I honestly like their chances in in that style of game because their front seven is, in my opinion, the strength of the team. And you know, if you're going to put good on good, I like you know Nebraska getting that matchup more often than not.
1: And Scott Frost has had his most success against Lovey Smith Mm -hmm. overall as a coach. So Mm -hmm. this is in terms of Big Ten teams and the small sample size we have with Frost. Illinois has been his best. He's it's the only team he's undefeated against.
2: Wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and so I mean, again, if the defense can just replicate or even come close to replicating with it against Penn State. The offense should, in theory, be able to produce more on their end, and that's why I think the Vegas line is what it is right this now. This is
1: an interesting year for Lovey Smith, too, when you when you look at what he's done there. Um, took him to a bowl game last year. He beat Wisconsin, so that was a big step forward for them. But they've had just an awful year, and a lot of it's due to the COVID situation where multiple quarterbacks have had him sit out games. I mean, they've played four quarterbacks this year. Um, they haven't had like – guys out with covid but they've had guys out for contact tracing so it's caused just a mess and i think there's two schools of thought they might go one and eight you know or two and seven and will he just get a free pass because of the covid and i think there's some loud boosters down there that want him gone and then there's some people that say hey number one we can't afford to pay out lovey smith and number two um you know he you got to give them some slack for what happened with COVID um, with with some of these guys that have been out.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of where I would lean for, for most programs, unless it's like totally egregious and the the firing's a no brainer. Like this is just not the time to make a massive coaching change where you have athletic departments, cutting sports and uh, doing furloughs and laying off uh, administrative people. And it's like, to sit there and like add a couple million bucks or whatever it is of buyout onto your expenses. That's just irresponsible in my point. So especially with this season is just such a disaster. I mean, you're just trying to survive and play as many games as you can and to put that much uh, evaluation onto what happens uh, in this chaotic season, uh, I think that's you know a little bit misguided. But apparently, if uh, there are people that already wanted him out the door, this is just more ammunition for them if the record ends up being what we could, what we think it could be.
1: And his buyout would definitely be over ten million dollars. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see um, what they do. I, I lean towards, I think, no matter what, we'll see Lovey in Ireland and. And we'll be having a hopefully a Guinness with him next year.
2: Oh man, I really hope that we do go to Ireland. But uh, at this point, you know, I'm just trying to make it to next week. Pretty much what's (laughs) kept you doing this job is Ireland, right? Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we haven't had a bowl game in forever, so might as well go over the top and get to Ireland. All right, when we
1: come back, um, we're going to talk basketball. It's been a big week with basketball. Nebraska, um, you know, signed a five star. The schedule came out. There's so many things to hit on here. And um, we're going to talk about the schedule as. There are th- three games next week, right, Robin?
2: Yeah, three and four days.
1: Three games in four days. So we're going to get an update from Robin Washett on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, you know, to get a guy the first five-star in the history of the program and, you know, to come, I think a big part of it was obviously talking to Trey about, how he how his experience has been here so far with everything that we're about not just the product on the floor but our strength and conditioning staff how great of a job they do our sports scientist who monitors all of our workloads uh, our nutrition staff uh, that's here for our guys uh, you know all hours of the day so when he talked to Bryce just about how great of a situation it has been for him so far and how well he would fit into how we play uh, you know I think that got Bryce excited so you know, to get those three guys uh, into our system shows, you know, I think we'll be very competitive this year. Uh, And then you add three more pieces uh, to our team next year. You know, I think, uh, I think the future is very bright.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Nebraska basketball opens up three games in four days. Um, Plenty of Fred Hoiberg starting on Wednesday. They play on Thanksgiving. Now, Robin, what is the TV schedule? Um, Wednesday's 11 a.m. game is on the Big Ten Network. Correct. And is the Thursday Thanksgiving game on the Big Ten Network. Yes. So,
2: And then the following game on... Saturday. The, yeah, Saturday. That will either be on big 10 network or btn plus i think it just kind of depends on what the the network so that is.
1: whole flow sports thing's not even
2: no it's, it's going to stream like the other games like that are the ones that are being playing at like devanny and stuff like that like with all the other like shadrin states and those but types.
1: they'll have an over the air btn correct on so if you get tired of watching the detroit lions on thanksgiving <laughs> you'll be able to watch the nebraska game at one o'clock yeah, I'm gonna time my drive to Iowa City to make sure I listen to the entire game on the radio. That's my. That's my. I already told my wife. I'm like, we're gonna eat at noon. I'm gonna drive in the car at one, and I'm gonna to listen to Ken and Jake for the two-hour drive. We'll
2: make that drive through central Iowa just fly by. <laughs>
1: but you heard uh, Coach Hoiberg there, Robin, talk about the addition of Bryce McGowan's this recruiting class, and I'll tell you, I feel like a lot of Nebraska fans. You know, they've been burned and hurt so bad over the years of recruiting and roster additions. There's still a very much wait and see approach of the McGowan's brothers, of the recruits added. But I know you feel really good about what you've heard about some of the things going on as far as what this roster looks like now and what's going to look like in the future.
2: Well, I mean, obviously, it's a historical deal uh, for Nebraska basketball to get their first five star. And you can make the uh, you know argument that it never would have happened had they not gotten his brother, which is true. If Trey McGowans is not at Nebraska, Bryce McGowans does not even probably take a phone call from the Huskers. So, uh, But the reality is that they got Trey, and Trey is a former top 100 four-star recruit in his own right who had plenty of options when he left Pittsburgh as a guy who started 64 66 games and was one of the Panthers' best players. So uh, that I think is more of an indication of what was already starting to build before they took things to the next level in getting a five star. The fact that they got guys like Trey McGowan, Stellano Banton, uh, even you know, Teddy Allen, uh, you know, those types of players that, um, you know, I think really raised the level of talent across the board significantly. And now. What, assuming that the majority of that nucleus of this season, you know, regardless of what this year is, if they bring back the guys that they're supposed to bring back and plan on bringing back, uh, not only are they going to be an experienced veteran lineup, but you're adding a five-star top 25 player in the country to your roster. You're adding one of the best, if not the best, three-point shooters in the junior college ranks in Tomanaga. You're adding a uh, Rivals 150 uh six, nine power forward and Wilhelm Breidenbach, who was the first target that this staff identified for the 2021 class. Uh, So, I mean, they really like what they've assembled with these first two recruiting classes at Nebraska, but to accelerate the things in the manner which they have to get a five star, that sends waves around the rest of the country to where not only are other teams going to take notice of what Nebraska's doing, but future recruits are also going to look at Nebraska a little differently now with the roster that they've been able to assemble.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and Robin, Nebraska opens up. I mean, it, it took so long for the schedule to get released; it just felt like it was never going to come. And they're like, "All right, here's the schedule. You're playing in like a, cu- a couple of days." Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts going into Wednesday?
2: Well, I guess the good news for Nebraska is that they were operating under the assumption all along that as soon as the NCAA announced that th- their season would start on November 25th, that they would be playing their first game on November 25th. So really their off-season schedule uh and routine hasn't been altered much at all and uh last week when Fred Hoiberg talked with us he said that uh you know they at that point they still didn't know who their first game was going to be against but it didn't necessarily matter too much because they weren't going to start opponent prep until Monday of this next week so uh, it didn't set them back really at all maybe if anything it just put more pressure on the the GAs and uh film guys to get the the scouting report up and ready But as far as the players are concerned, I mean, nothing really changed all that much, especially with a new group that their primary focus is just learning how to play with each other and getting as much practice time together as they possibly can. So it was stressful for fans and I'm sure for the coaching staff, not knowing uh, who that first opponent was going to be and what the schedule was even going to look like. But as far as the players are concerned, you know, I, I don't think they even noticed all that much.
1: What do you know about the teams they're playing? I mean, is Nevada, San Francisco? They're
2: they're not playing Nevada anymore. They were supposed to, and then that got shifted at the 11th hour. Now they're playing St. Louis uh, to open on on Thanksgiving. But, yeah, to answer your question, so they added McNeese State, which is not part of the Golden Window Classic. Uh, That was thrown in there kind of as that multi-team event was just dropping teams like crazy. And so they wanted to make sure they got uh, three games in before – uh, December. And so McNeese state, uh, I think there's some connections there. Um, they have a kid. I cannot pronounce his name, whatever. Drew uh Cucks Kux, or something like that. He's from Scott's bluff. Uh, one of the better three point shooters out there. So uh, I think there's some ties there really though. It's an opponent that was willing to come here and meet all those testing requirements and play a game. Uh, but with St. Louis, many people regard them as maybe the best non power six league school in the country this year and a team that could make some noise in the NCAA tournament. So they bring back, uh, a roster that won 20 some like 23 games last year uh, and so they're going to be good and then you get a San Francisco team that's a top 100 RPI team from last year so it might not have the the LSU brand but the, both of those teams are going to be solid opponents that Nebraska is going to get put to the test with right away
1: it'll be interesting too um, just to see the rotations Robin and who they play I mean how deep do you think the rotation is going to get um, for these first few games?
2: It'll probably be a lot like last year, where ten guys. Yeah, I mean they're going to play a lot of different lineups, a lot of different guys, and just see what works. But um, when things start getting for real uh, in early December, when you know Georgia Tech, Creighton, and then you know league play with Wisconsin starts up, then you got to kind of narrow things down. It's it, you just got to have your core group that you can count on when, when the, the pressure really gets turned up. But, uh, you know, for McNeese and, you know, maybe even, you know, the San Francisco-South Dakota type games, I could see them experimenting a lot. And, you know, obviously a of rope's out of the equation now, but I think they could go nine, maybe even ten deep still uh, with uh, a lot of guys seeing some minutes to see, show what they can do.
1: All right, well, it will be interesting. It's going to be a very busy week next week, but – Got to get through Illinois on Saturday, and then it's going to be one of those crazy weeks of Husker basketball and football going on in full force as we'll get a little bit of both, and we'll talk more about that as well next week. Uh, But when we come back, we're going to close the show with recruiting. Nate Klaus will join us. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Get sweeps.
3: your pet. The season for
1: the he 45
3: yards it definitely did when we put that in earlier this week i was uh i was like wait a minute i was like we ran that play in high school i was like i'm gonna love this play and i when, when i got that call during the game i, I was just excited there were,
0: there was no nerves in me i was i was ready to go i wanted that play so bad
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, final segment of the show. We're joined by Nate Klaus now. Nate, and you just heard uh, the play from Xavier Betts, and I'm sure you had a smile on your face on Saturday when you saw that play develop because literally you've maybe watched Mike Huffman's team play 10 to 15 games in person over the last several years, and you've seen that play executed and run several times, and Nebraska kind of drew something up very similar for Xavier Betts, and it led to the most explosive play of the game on Saturday.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was uh, uh, was kind of surprised to see it, but I was not surprised by the end result. There, like you said, I've I mean, I've seen probably well over a dozen games that Xavier Betts has been in during his high school career, and uh, watched him play or watched him score on that play many, many times. So, uh, although in high school he was probably you know probably uh, had had pulled away from. Uh, from the defense just a little bit more than they did uh, last Saturday, but still the end result was the same. So I was really happy for Xavier uh, just – especially just knowing everything that it took to get to that point uh, for him to, to and then to score as a true freshman against a team like Penn State, is that's a pretty cool deal. And,
1: Nate, sticking on the freshman class here for 2020, <laughs> when you look at these receivers, Fleming and Betts particularly, and Alante Brown to an extent, we just haven't really gotten a good taste of them yet to know for sure. But how close do you think this group is really from kind of taking over and, and, and kind of being the featured guys along with Wondell Robinson?
3: You know, I think I think they've got to be getting pretty close. Um, you know, they, they clearly have the talent. I think that's been pretty evident from what we've seen so far. Um, you know, just gave a great example by the Xavier Betts play. We've seen some flashes from from Marcus Fleming so far, um, and, and we've heard great things about Alonte Brown. And I think. You know, that's the question we've all been getting: is why why aren't the wide receivers? Why aren't they playing more? You know, what's wrong with that group? And um, you know, and I just I just think that uh, there's a little bit of a learning curve. Obviously, with everything that's that's gone on, that hasn't helped. Um, and then, too, you know, when this offense is running the way that they want it to be running, uh, you know, an up tempo. Um, you know, up-paced type of offense, you, got, you have to know the playbook inside and out in order for it to operate as efficiently as they want it to. And, um, and so I do think that a lot of it has to do with just getting up to speed with the playbook, and, and I do think that these freshmen are they're getting closer and closer. And so I, I think here down the stretch, you know, this, this home stretch run of the season, I think we're going to see more and more of these guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if they are making more and more plays like we saw Betts make last week.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Shows. We talk recruiting. Nate, it's been now three weeks since Nebraska got their last commit um, on Halloween from Jalen Weaver. Um, they're at 20. Obviously, they got a grad transfer in there, so they're at 21. We're closing in on signing day, and and you know we're all out of whack here because we haven't had a traditional year with visits, with camps, with coaches on the road. Lane Kiffin gave a great drop this week. He's like, they're telling me I got to run essentially a Fortune 500 company without doing any in-person interviews. And all these people are going to show up to my campus in January, a lot of them. And I've never met any of these guys before in person until that moment. And they're going to be a part of our program. And that is going to be such a deal with 2021 recruiting, where a lot of these coaches are going to literally meet their recruits in person for the first time when they arrive to campus in January or June.
3: Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. That's, you know, that, and that's not hyperbole. I mean, that's, I mean, that's legit. Um, I think the, the large majority of coaches across the country are going to meet, uh, you know, the vast majority of their signing class for the first time in person. Now, luckily for Nebraska, you know, they've been able to recruit fairly well regionally and in this recruiting class. And especially as far as the early enrollees go, a lot of those guys are the regional recruits that had been able to make it to campus before uh, the coronavirus shut shut everything. Uh, so I guess that's a little bit of a bonus for for Scott Frost and his coaching staff. But you're right. I mean, it's it is different. Um, you know, the, as far as the evaluations part, you know, this is one thing I think that is a strong suit of Nebraska's staff is to be able to kind of go out and 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 catch a practice in person and be able to find maybe. Uh, somebody who is flying a little bit under the radar that they really like, or go to, you know, a mega camp, uh, you know, satellite camp or something and, and find somebody under the radar, uh, you know, and, and that, that maybe is not gathered or garnering the attention that they should be. And, um, you know, and they're not going to be able to do that this year. So everything is going to be dependent upon the evaluations that took place prior to the dead period. Uh, being enacted, and then also, um, you know, be heavily replied, um, you know, heavily, uh, you know, prepared for and, and prepped by the, the, the video evaluations that that had to take place. And so, I think the teams that, that are able to evaluate the best off of video and everything, those are the teams that are going to have strong recruiting classes. And um, you know, teams that that aren't very good at doing that, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of busts. In a lot of these recruiting classes, so um, you know, I'm hopeful. You know, I think Nebraska has has done a pretty good job, um, but I think you know, across the board, though, I think we're going to see more busts in this recruiting class than maybe we have, um, you know, in a long time uh, from a lot of different teams.
1: Nate, when you look at closing out this class now, I mean, there's really three to four spots left for Nebraska to finish. They haven't gotten a commit in three weeks. What are you looking for? I mean, is there something that is going to pop here in the next week or two that you're watching closely?
3: Um, you know it very well could. I, I think you know the the strange point Nebraska himself at now is the fact that uh, <clears throat> there isn't like one obvious name that is that said, yep, I'm announcing on December first and it's down to you know Nebraska and and two other schools or whatever. Uh, there is no really obvious name that is is set an announcement that is that is going to be coming up. I think the next commit could very well be a surprise. And it could happen today. It could happen, um, you know, on on the early signing period on December sixteenth. So um, I think that's that is just kind of where they're at in the process. But um, they do have three to four spots. I think that Uh, a good place to kind of look for that next commitment is probably along the defensive line. They need probably at least two more defensive linemen in this class and then possibly another linebacker and a a defensive back, ideally. Uh, But I also wouldn't be surprised if they saved another spot, um, you know, for, to use in the transfer portal too, because there are going to be more names in the transfer portal this year than ever than ever before.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. It, it the transfer portal, Nate, and you know, Rivals.com, we took a re- regional analyst and made him basically a full-time portal guy, and I think the other networks have done something similar because literally the portal is going to be as big of a piece of recruiting now, especially with the one-time transfer rule, um, than we've ever seen before. And I think we have an idea what it's going to be like, but I, I don't think we really have an idea. It's going to be nuts.
3: Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, and I know that there are – you know, across the country, recruiting staff, they're dedicating people um, simply to, to monitor the, the transfer portal, you know, once a new name goes in there, they are gathering information, they're gathering film, and, and you know, and uh, they're, they're trying to, to piece together, okay, what's, you know, what kind of baggage does this kid maybe have, or, or you know, why are they in the portal, um, and, and, you know, ultimately, can this player help us out? um you know is it somebody that we need to be pursuing and so i know there's um not only did the recruiting services like ourselves have have they dedicated people to transfer portal but uh the recruiting staffs across the country have as well
1: all right well lots to follow as we will keep you up to date on husker online uh with nebraska illinois it's saturday at 11 o'clock